Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Uh, hey, everybody. I uh, just want to make sure you guys can hear. Hey, Sherrod, you got me? I got you. Okay, I just jumped, jumped, in. jumped in. Am I echoing? No, I've got you on two devices, and I'm shutting you off on one. That's what's happening. Okay, great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna silence Bobby. He's said enough about the G word. He said the G word. He said the G word. I'm still echoing. Hold on. Oh, he's gone. All right, I'm here. You guys can hear me. We got a bunch of you in the room already. Uh, we should have a few more. We're going to chop it up for a little bit here. I don't know for how long because, um, God, that was terrible. But uh, you guys know the drill. If you want to speak, um, request it. We'll put you up on the stage. Just keep yourself muted until we call from you. We'll uh, rifle through as many as we can. Um, I'm having a slight issue seeing the speaker request. So when Sherrod jumps back in, I might have to leave and come back. Uh, in the meantime, we'll just kind of chop it up here. Um, I don't know how people are feeling right now. Uh, I, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out if I was angry or depressed or uh, just more of the same here. And, uh, you know, I don't know what you can take out of a game where all of these guys sat as they did tonight, but it just still feels like another lethargic mail-it-in sort of game. I'm not sure if everybody uh, everybody agrees. So, as I said, um, start getting your requests in, and we will get you guys talking. For now, I'm going to see if I can put somebody up here and get a question out of them. Uh, hang on. Uh, here we go. Julian, I'm throwing you out there, buddy. What's up? How you doing? Uh, I mean, I guess the one thing I'm going to – I'll uh, engage in the first ever locker room apology cam. Wow. Let <laughs> Last night I came on and said there's a positive for everybody to look at. Chat, I'm sorry. I was incredibly wrong. Everything is terrible. There's nothing to be positive about. Wow. I just that... – yesterday I was almost hopeful in a sense because the Knicks lost. And you could almost see there was like a path where you could get to a point where the last game of the season is basically you're playing for the sixth seed because the Knicks will probably lose to Charlotte. But it's just like you, you know that's the case. And you can't even beat fucking Cleveland. Yikes. And I Kevin, know. 37 years old, and he puts up 30 and 15 like he wound back the clock 10 years. Yeah. Like, what's happening? What are we doing? I don't know. I don't know, Julian. It's what are we doing? It's I'm um. Surprise people here, but I think it's pretty hard not to. It sucks. It sucks. I hate this. It'd be so much. Look, a lot of you guys were with us last year when we started doing the post game show. Uh, and that was fun, man. It was a great ride into the. Sure, we had some we had some rough patches into the Eastern Conference Finals, and you know they kind of maybe coulda woulda shoulda won that series. Uh, but it was exciting, you know. You're you know, had stuff to talk about. We've been having the same conversation now for. I mean, 
they got off to an eight and whatever start, eight and two, eight and three. I mean, they're they're five six games below five hundred since then. I mean, this isn't just a five hundred team; it's a sub five hundred team for the majority of the year after a so so start. Um, it's terrible. It's depressing. You know, um, is, and it's it, it's one step forward, two steps back all the time. And um, you know, and, and that's where we are here. I'm I waiting to see, see if Sherrod's right. jumping back in. No, not yet. Compared to like what I mean, the, that Raptors series last year was one of the funnest thing. You know, one of the funnest two weeks I've ever seen in the NBA. But I think the difference was like with that team. When we'd lose, you would immediately think, okay, they're going to bounce back. Tatum's going to, you know, and they, they did. Every time they lost, they came back and won and took it in seven. It's like every time they lose here, it's just like, you know what, we're, they're going to go lose to Minnesota on Friday, and then they're going to lose to the Knicks, and they're going to lose the play. And it's like you go from anticipating like a reaction to just expecting nothing from this team. Yeah, I'm afraid that's where we're at. Um, just want to let – oh, Sherrod says he's here. i got to go find him and let him back in the room. Uh, as I said, I'm not seeing the speaker requests coming through, and I'm not seeing Sherrod coming through. Hmm. So I might have to figure out how to rectify that right now. A little, little glitchy, it looks like. Um, Sherrod, I know you can hear me, but I, I can't find you in the room to, to, to let you in. I can't see you. And I promise as soon as I do, I will. Um, one of the things we talked about is, uh, you know, are they favorites here? Um, are they like, you know, Bobby was talking about it a good bit. He seems to think that uh, uh, that uh, they should be able to win that seven seed game against anybody. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm not so optimistic. Um, I'll ask you guys here if anybody wants to speak. Put your Put it in the chat right now so I can see it until uh, until I'm able to see the actual speaker requests. And um, I'll try to get you guys up there. Um, hang on one second. Can I say something on that question? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I got, I, I'm a fan of Bobby, but I think he's completely delusional when it comes to that. I mean, in what world does a team – let's say Robert Williams is out. In what world does does this is this team better than Melo, Michael Bridges, and Gordon Hayward? And it's definitely not better than Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Like, I – I'd have I would not bet a, a dime on that team doing anything in a game that matters, especially when it's just one game, because they've shown no heart all season. They've showed us who they are. Yeah, they have. Um, I don't, I you know, I don't want to disparage Bobby when he's not here. I don't think that's fair. So <laughs> I, I will say there's an obvious dynamic on the show that you guys have probably seen now, which is Bobby is tends to be a little bit sunnier. Um, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say naive. I think he looks at things and thinks, Hey, you know, they still can, or they're, you know, he, he, he tends to see the best qualities in the Celtics. Uh, you know, to me, I, I, I see what I see. I see a team that's been pretty friggin' damn mediocre all year. And, um, I don't know what, uh, what we can say about it, um, you know, beyond that, uh, I, I don't, I, I, I'm struggling to find positives uh, in this season because it, 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 they're 20. I mean, like I said, they're they're like 27 and 32 since the start of the season. It's a they're they're a constant disappointment. So I, I you know, I, I forget what it was. You know, Bill Parcells or whoever quote, you know, you are what you are what your record says you are. That's they are what their record says they are, and that's the, the, there's, there's not much else to it. Uh, Armand, I want to welcome you to, to to chat with us. What's going on? Hey, John, how you doing? Uh, I've been watching uh, 
garden report for a while. Glad I got to got get on. Um, oh, cool. Just had a couple takes. So one, it's just funny how like I, I've been telling my friends I'd rather be that underdog seven seed, like the last seven seed. It was just a bunch of scrappy guys, and you enjoyed watching them, even though it's kind of like this year, except it's, it's like a team that you know has probably no chance to go anywhere. I think we got swept. Maybe we won one game against the Cavs. I don't even think we won one. It was a series that Kelly dislocated, like, love's shoulder. But it, it just – Hey, Armand, so- I'm going to cut you off a split second. Keep going. Sherrod, are you back in? I hope so. Yes, you are in. Guys, I'm going to uh, – Ahmed, I'm making you host. I'm going to leave and come back. Armand, finish with your point. Sherrod, you can kind of chop it up with him. I'll be back in, like, 30 seconds. I just want to let you guys know. Go, go ahead, Armand. Yep. Yeah, so uh, what I was going to get into is that team was scrappy, but they didn't have a leader. So I think that was pretty much when we signed Al. And then, like, the next year, we at least got an interview with uh, or at least got a sit-down with Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. With this team, you have, like, on paper, we're much better. And I I get people are protecting Jason Tatum because he's young, but he has no voice, and he he notices his team. I mean, Danny had to have told him when he gave him that max contract, this is your team. So do you think – we have no money this year, so I don't know if somehow, some way you trade Kemba, if we get that money or we're still over the cap, but do you think a veteran who wants his own team, such as Jimmy did with Miami, will look at this team and say, hey, look, Jason's cool taking that second – like second – like uh, or that back seat. Maybe I'll sign with them. Or do you think – at this point, we're not even like a, I don't know, a destination. Like, have we fallen that far back that free agents don't even look at us? Well, the, the free agents that could come in and help you aren't looking at Boston before one reason and one reason primarily, and that is Boston don't got the money to pay. Um, and and you, you look at guys like, for example, Kawhi Leonard, for example, who technically is going to be available this year, but he's not going anywhere, and, and everyone knows that. Uh, you look at guys like Kyle Lowry, who's a little bit on the older side and has shown himself to be a tremendous leader. Uh, he, look, if, if he's leaving Toronto, which I, I don't think he will at this point, uh, he's not coming to Boston because again, I, I think he's one of those guys that if he's going to take on a leadership role, there's going to have to be certain players around that. I think vibe with him, and I just don't think he, him and the belt in the South would be a great mix on paper, uh, primarily because I just don't think he would be looking to do that. The Celtics' best hope is one of two things. Either Tatum will evolve into being more vocal, more of a demonstrative leader, because I think that they need someone like that who is in that, what I would call that, that top tier on the team in terms of talent. And that top tier, in my eyes, looks to be Tatum, Brown, and, and Kimba to a lesser extent. Or, to, as I mentioned, Brown, if he is empowered to be more of a leader. Like right now, most people look at the Celtics as Tatum first, Brown second. If there's a way that the organization can create a 1A, 1B dynamic uh, where Brown has a little bit more of a, a tangible leadership uh, role with this team, I think he's got a lot of that dog in him that they need uh, to, to frankly have that voice in the locker room that doesn't that looks at the season for what it was and that it was it was a shitty season and let's not let this happen again everyone needs to step their game up uh they they need to have that voice that presence in the locker room and cuz right now talent is not the issue with this team it's that mental edge that the really good teams have that this Boston Celtics team doesn't uh and you know one of the things we were talking about on the garden report 
was about just that will to win. And that, to me, concerns me about the Celtics because I just don't think they have enough of it to make it the kind of run that I think talent-wise they should be able to do. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the playing game because, again, I think there's certain matchups where if they play Indiana, for example, I don't think they'll have any problem putting them away. But if that 7-8 game is with them and Charlotte, that's not going to be an easy game uh, to, because Charlotte is one of those teams that they're hungry. They're going to play hard. And teams that play hard, regardless of where their talent is, have a very good shot at beating the Celtics. And we've seen that time and time again. And we just saw it today. Uh, Cleveland played harder than the Celtics. Uh, and that, that the game rewards effort. That's why Kevin, Kevin Love had maybe, you know, a kind of a flashback to 2012, 2013 kind of game for him where he was just making everything and anything out there. The Celtics, they got to play harder. They have to play hard if they're going to get out of this. Um, I just want to let everybody know again, um, the uh, speaker requests aren't coming through for me right now. So, again, if you can put in the chat if you want to join um, and keep doing it, um, you know, throughout. You know, don't spam the chat with let me in, let me in, Jesse. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, uh, but let me know if you <laughs> – I'm just kidding, man. I'm just busting your chops. Uh, let me know if you guys want to talk, and I'll keep checking back and forth and try to find you guys and let you in because right now, um, as I said, it is a little bit uh, – uh, uh, inconsistent, so I want to make sure that I do get to you guys. I have Brady in the room. Uh, we're also going to get Joe Sway and uh, Bobby joining us uh, in a little bit uh, as well, so uh, we'll keep the chat going. But uh, Brady, why don't you go ahead? Whew. Man. You alright, buddy? <laughs> uh, I'm surviving, man. Ooh, this yeah. is, you you, you this okay, Brady? You, you, you're worrying this, me, this man. Is, you good? This, this is how you started the last call. I think you have a shtick. Yeah, this is rough, man. I think yeah. I'd rather watch Skip Bayless talk one of his stupid-ass takes than watch one of these Celtics game against, to be honest. Yeah, my, but, my hero. I mean, this. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say this. I think this is, the, including the 2012 Boston Red Sox, this is the most embarrassing Boston sport team I've watched in terms of giving effort and just trying to play your game with any effort <laughs> remotely. Um, yeah. That's depressing, but that's how well, I feel about this team. Yeah, there's, You're not been, alone. there's been a few. I've been I've been around the block a bit. I've been fortunate enough to have covered Boston sports throughout this entire run uh, of of success. And even during that time, there's been some real dogs. Um, you know, I'll I'll point to 2001 Red Sox, 2011 Chicken and Beer Red Sox. That was a bad friggin' team and a bad overall experience. But this is the I haven't seen a Celtics team like this in a really long time. Um, it is strange. Um, yeah, it's they just really strange. A team that's had – a team that we – in this era, certainly in the Brad era and leading up to it, had a little engine that could mentality all the way to a team with a lot of star power and talent that you expect to win. It's weird to see this. I, I haven't seen anything like this either. Yeah, they just they, they just don't compete for four quarters at all. Like I've never seen a Celtics team do that before. Like they just they like they just can't compete for four quarters. It's not physically possible for this team to try and play hard for let alone three quarters. It's rare for them to do that, but four quarters, hell, if they compete for four quarters, that's a record this year. Yeah, man, they just they just never do that, and that leads me to my next point. Which and guys, is, real quick, if I bring you up on the stage, just mute real quick. Yep, thank you, Nick. Uh, go ahead, Brady. Yep. 
Yeah, so like Sherrod, I'm looking at the free agents this year. I saw I saw some guys, but I just want to know what are those dogs you think we could bring in next year that could really just help fit mentally, physically toughen up this team because this team is as about as mentally as tough as a piece of cotton right now. They just are the least physically and mentally tough team I've seen in a long time in terms of Boston Celtics. Yeah, the, the pickings are going to be slim because obviously, you know, the Celtics, and we've talked about this before, they don't have a ton of cash to available. But I, I think that there, there, there could be some guys that they might have a decent shot at if they just, frankly, uh, if they, if they're quick about it, if they, if they are intentional with their efforts at adding a certain kind of toughness, a guy, and he's been injury prone of late, but I definitely, he's a familiar face that, Celtics fans remember all very well is Avery Bradley. Um, Avery defensively gets after it. Uh, he's kind of low key about it, but what we've seen after he left Boston, he became much more of a vocal demonstrative leader, not like Marcus Smart demonstrative, but Avery is not going to sit by and just kind of, you know, let what we've seen happen, happen. He's going to speak up and he's going to effort wise, play at a level that at least lets you feel good about. Even if he doesn't play great, you're not going to be questioning the effort and the intensity that he's going to bring. So that's that's one guy that I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to to, to bring him back. Uh, you start looking at some of the other free agents out there. Um, if you're looking for a, a guy that, and again, this is, this is a guy that he doesn't necessarily fit that mold as, as far as, um, you know, being a, you know, kind of aggressive dog. But what he does have is a clear skill and the only reason I think you would make a run at him was if you were planning to get rid of one of those end of the bench guys like Carson Edwards or Shimmy and that kid at Milwaukee named Brent Forbes is a flat out stroker all he does is knock down shots and he's he's having one of those low-key really good years uh he's only 28 years old uh he's making like about 2.4 million I think that's around what he's making this year that's someone that from an affordability standpoint he has a very specific skill that you need, and he's going to be available. So uh, those are a couple of guys that, that, that I, you know, I think that if you're the Celtics and you're looking for kind of a low-budget uh, player that can, can play his way into your rotation, those are the type of players that you have to, to, to find a way to get. You've got to find guys that have a clear strength to their game that regardless of whether they play 20 straight games or they sit for 20 straight games, they can enter the floor and play to whatever that strength is, and that strength can help you win. Avery Bradley is his defense. Brent Forbes his ability to knock down shots. Players in that ilk are the kinds that I think the Celtics really need to, to hit some home runs with this offseason. Um, I do want to um, just let everybody know, a bunch of people kind of flooding in as the Garden Report has ended. Bobby's here. Joe Sway's going to hide somewhere, hoping I don't see him, but I will find him and I'll bring him up onto the stage as well. Uh, I'm not seeing speaker requests at the moment, so as I said, um, if you guys want to speak, put it in the chat. If I don't see it, you guys can remind me, uh, and I will try to peek in there from time to time and make sure that I try and find you guys uh, and get you uh, onto the stage here. Um, Bobby, there was some slander, okay, uh, earlier. I'm not going to say who said it, it wasn't me, and in fact, I didn't take a swipe. I tried not to. That you're a little bit too sunny, uh, a little bit too optimistic about this team. But I think your tune has changed in the last week or two. 
Yeah, I think everyone uh, needs to read the article I wrote about Brad. Like, yeah. That was that would have been unimaginable for me at the beginning. <laughs> of the year. Um, no, I mean this. It, this is how I feel about this team. The excuses are valid, but the issues are deeper than the excuses. So I think that's fair, and I also think it's fair to say that the team has had a better season than some of the middlers and even bad teams this year. So to expect them to beat those kind of teams to me isn't crazy i mean they still have talent here they still have potential to play well when more people are available than are right now and i think overall we've probably freaked out too much about efforts this year that were based off of them playing guys who aren't ready to play at high levels start in this league yet the team's too young they're not deep and frankly i asked you this to begin the year john like your expectations where they finish is kind of in line with where you, where Jimmy, where a lot of people expected them to be. It's a little below now at this point, but overall, I think this year kind of went how people expected it to. Well, no, na- nationally, Bobby, I remember we had this conversation early, and Jimmy and I were kind of like, I'm like, I think they're in a class, in the second class, second tier, you know, competing with, I thought at the time, Indiana, uh, if they were staying healthy, uh, and kind of in that mix, Atlanta, that we put them in that pool for sure. In that, you know, outside the top four. Uh, so you're right, close. But the national media, and I, you kept sending these to us. Hey, look where these guys have the Celtics in the power ranking. A lot of people still had them 2-3, and I, did, I never got it. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people, a lot of national media, a lot of local media still kind of had them as the two or the three seed. Well, Brooklyn wasn't Brooklyn then. Yeah, it I took about Brooklyn. 10 seconds to figure out that Brooklyn was Brooklyn. But you're yeah. right. This was before they played. After they played one game and you were like, wow, Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. Everyone was like, this is fucking terrible. And, yeah, then, and, Philly, and then they got hardened, right? Philly, so. Philly had legit questions. And I love Brooklyn. I did yeah. not like Philly coming into this year. I didn't think two shooters could change all that much. I didn't think Embiid and Simmons fit. But Embiid got that much better into this year that it took them to a new level. And for some of the people who are way down on the Celtics, you could see Tatum do that too in the next year. Our, our 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 listeners are trying to fight each other in the chat right now, guys. What's going on? Let's we're, <laughs> we're, we're almost we're almost through the end of the season. Can everybody just chill? Um, let's uh, we, we, come on. We're we're all in this together, guys. Uh, let's bring in Jesse uh, and and hear what he has to say. What's up, Jesse? What's up, y'all? So uh, <laughs> Jesse, what's up, man? I saw you uh, said in the post game show, you know, coming with something positive, but. Uh, yeah, my, I got a pretty uh, bleak question here. Um, so you touched on the complacency we've seen of this team earlier. And my biggest fear for them is that they really just, like, mentally accept the injury excuse and think they can just change nothing and everything will be fine. And I saw a uh, the quote Jason Tatum had after a 60-point game where he said, to do this even at this age, like, that kind of bothered me because I was like, they should not see themselves as young players anymore. They really shouldn't. They made deep playoff runs. And I think uh, they're like those kids that, like, they grow up and their parents are like, oh, you're so smart, you're so athletic. And they just accept who they are and they just become complacent. So uh, my question is, how realistic do you think it is that uh, that seven-game series we had with the Cavs kind of ends up being the highlight of the Tatum-Brown era? And it's just an era of uh, mismanaged assets and unmet potential. How how realistic do you think that is? I don't think that's going to be the highlight. I, I think I think Tatum's got a lot of really good games, good playoff series, good 
uh, years of competing for a title left in him. I, I just think he's too good a player uh, to let what he's done in his first three or four years be what defines who he is, what he's about, and what this franchise is about. Um, I, you know, we, we have seen Danny Ainge in the past, you know, kind of hit what was seen as rock bottom only to find a way to, to dig the franchise out and, and be among the, the better teams for a, a period of time. And there's no question that this season has been a step or two back from where they were. But I, I don't think, I don't think that they are as destitute and bound for just, you know, the Doc Rivers years pre 2008 when, you know, you, that friend, that team just frankly just sucked on so many levels. I don't think they're at that point yet. And I don't think they will get to that point. But to me, the worst place you can be as an NBA team is in the middle. And that's where they are right now. They're not really good enough to be in that top tier. They're too damn good to be rock bottom. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. And it's hard to move when you're stuck in the middle. And that to me is going to be the, the ultimate challenge for Danny Ainge to figure out how to move from this place of purgatory where you're, again, you're, you're an okay team, but you're not great and you're not God awful. So do you make efforts to become God awful and then build it from scratch? Or do you figure out a way to take that next step and move up from where you are now? That's going to be on him to figure out this summer. Middle is bad. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be hard for them to make it through these years too of middling Sherrod because the expectations have become so high for them and their young players that like every single year that they're in that middle, it's going to be a freak out fest and Brad's going to have to go and Ainge is going to have to go. And the, like the expectations have just risen so high that I don't think anyone around the team's going to have the patience uh, yeah, to but... get to the point where they have some more flexibility. Cause realistically the window is, I'd say wide. It's not wicked wide. But it's wide. They have four well, or five you, years here with Tatum and Brown to get some flexibility, add some young talent, and then they'll get to a free agency eventually where they'll have some money to spend. Well, but, one window shut. That's the problem. Like the Kyrie kind of shut one window, you know, by doing what he did, and then you 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 you, you didn't you, you lost Gordon too. That and, was a cap space one, yeah. And your right. and your, and your assets. Again, we've said this a ton, but the Sacramento-Memphis picks didn't come in at what you were hoping, and you didn't flip them in time. And so they shot their shot. This is what they're left. They might have to experience, and Celtics fans, this is the hardest thing to probably live through. You might have to experience a couple years in the middle to come back up and rise from the ashes. But everyone is impatient because you're just so used to quick fixes. The reason I think people are used to quick fixes are twofold. One, we saw it happen overnight with the big three trade with KG, and you saw it happen pretty quickly uh, with the Philly trade, um, you know, uh, and to get uh, and the Tatum situation, or and all of the assets that you got from there. You saw when you you got your Tatum, you got your Brown, and you stacked up all these pieces. Okay, here we are, and and that you know it happened pretty quick. Um, well, in, in this situation, but the other thing is, I think we're so used to as Celtics. I think Celtics fans are so used to having this treasure trove of assets, which gave you the flexibility at any point in time to do something big and bold. And it always seemed to be a choice. Okay, go do this. Whether it was trade Jalen or trade trade these guys or trade these picks, it was always there and available to do that big thing. And it's not anymore. And I just think people aren't fully grasping it right now. Like that, the whole Danny's got to do something 
you know, uh, crowd. He can't. They're, they can't. They, they really are handcuffed at this point. Um, you know, just with their roster and with what, whatever remaining assets they have, they're stuck. And so you got to kind of just live with that. Um, it, it is what it is. Some teams just can't get better by making trades. The Celtics right now might not be able to get better making trades. Sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know it sucks. Let, uh, Nick, let's bring you in. You wanted to, you, you, want, you had a comment. Uh, good day, guys. I uh, just wanted to, um, okay, so I've got a couple of points. I just wanted to uh, firstly say that um, I think the reason why they're struggling at the moment, it's a co- obviously, just as you pointed out, there was a combination of uh, stuff-ups, like Kyrie leaving us. I think stuffed us up big time. Um, Gordon as well. Um, we don't have a proper ball handler. I think our best ball handler on our team right now is Marcus Smart. And I think that's why, my, I think that's why Stevens is, uh, uh, going through all these different lineups because he's just trying to find the right guy to sort of um, guide the team around, but also um, be there on the defensive end and to be, you know, uh, um, good enough to sort of um, play against all the uh, all the uh, um, uh, better competition. But um, I think, my in my opinion, I think during the trade deadline they should have gone for a ball handler. If they brought in someone like say Rajan Rondo, I think that would have been a totally different team right now. They would have been a lot higher in the ladder than they would have been. Um, but yeah, anyway, what I wanted to ask was, or wanted, what I wanted to point out was, I think that there's a relationship or there's an issue between, or I think that the two Jays aren't getting along or something's going on. They're, they're, there's some sort of, they're, 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 I think between, within the group that there's an issue. Uh-oh. Where's uh, Joe Sway? Yeah, sorry. I, I just want to, I just want to finish this off now. No, no, no. That- the, we got, we got one of our guys. This is, this is one of his things. So I wanted to bring him into the room to, to answer it. Go ahead. Keep going, Nick. Yeah, so um, it, you, you could see it happen. And I don't know whether this started during uh, Miami game, uh, uh, Miami series last, last season, uh, but from the beginning of the season, you can sort of see it go downhill. And then and then there were sort of periods where they were like, oh, yeah, no, nah, you know, that it was sort of brought up a couple of times and then they sort of tried to make it better. There was one game, I can't remember, it was a couple of weeks ago, they played their best game together where they were sort of handing the ball off to each other and playing off each other. And, and, and I think both of them sort of had uh, high assist uh, uh, games that, uh, that game and they played very well. But it was just that one game and then they sort of, I don't know whether it was the Jalen Brown injury or, or, or something went downhill after that. I don't know whether they were going to continue doing that or not. But in my opinion, I think that there's a relationship or there's an issue uh, uh, within the team. I think that, that a couple of the guys aren't getting along. Um, I, 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 I want to sort of question that a little bit more and say, is Jalen Brown the issue? Now, I'm not, I'm only making this as an assumption, but going back to previous incidents, there was an, there was that incident during the timeout with Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown. I think it was last season or the season before that. Um, I don't know whether he's not easy to get along with. Um, I don't know. That, that, that's sort of my assumption. I don't know whether that's the issue or not. And I don't know whether trading Jalen Brown as good of a, a, as a player as he is, in my opinion, I think he has the potential to be better than Jason Tatum at times. You see, some of, some of the, the the ability that he has is just unbelievable. Like the guy is a freak. Uh, like he, physically, and 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 when he plays those good games, he's he's unstoppable. And and in my opinion, I, I've I've sort of questioned that a few times. Going, is he a better player, or does he have more potential than Jason Tatum? But then you know, Jason Tatum comes back with you know, for instance, that sixty point game last week. But that that's another thing as well. Like I think. 
in my opinion, another another thing I, I want to point to that is, did Kyrie get into Jason's head and say, hey, doesn't matter whether your team's winning or not, just make sure your stats are high. And you know, I don't know if he did. So, I don't know if he did that, uh, but yeah. I do think there's a. I, I do think, and thanks, Nick. That's an interesting comment. I think there's a bit of a superstar brotherhood that exists, uh, and once you kind of ascend to that level, you kind of are. You, you, you've got you got the keys to the executive bathroom. You know, like you 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 operate on a different plane of existence than the uh, than the than the than you know the 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 you know the than the plebs. Um, and and I definitely think Jason's kind of entered that club. Um, for better, for worse. It just is what it is. I think that's what kind of happens with NBA superstar culture. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily stat hunting. I think that's just how he knows to best affect the game. But uh, Sherrod, I'll, you know, and Bobby, throw it out to you guys. And Joe Sway, I don't know what he's doing, but this is one of his topics too. The Jalen Jason thing, I have no idea what goes on there. The only thing I'll say here is just I want to caution against the amount of people in the chat or out there who every time this is suggested are like, that's ridiculous. You guys know about as much as the people who are suggesting it, which is to say, you don't know that they get along either. So I, nobody knows one way or the other. So there's really no reason to say definitively that's ridiculous or that's yeah, absolutely but, true. But, so, but what we do know is yeah. that teammates who really don't like each other have won championships together in this league. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not a, it's not good. It's not ideal. We don't know what it is, on the court. It, but if it is a thing or isn't a thing, I just, like I said, is there's a lot of people who are like, that's ridiculous. You don't know that either. What it is outwardly, there doesn't seem to be a lot of like, you know, whatever there. And, you know, but I just don't seem, think it matters I think, they, all that I think much. they respect each other. I don't think they have disdain for one another. It's whether or not they're making each other better is a there's bigger a, question. But Sherrod, what do you think? No, there's a there is a, without question a healthy competition. But that I think they respect each other. From, for, yeah, they they do. But the one thing that I, I think that they could both use is a, a a buffer, someone that can that can frankly find that balance to keep both of those yeah. guys happy on the court, so that they they're not seemingly pitting themselves against one another. They need a playmaker. They need some. They need like an Al Horford uh, back, uh, someone that could really. Again, take a little bit of the pressure off each of those guys to be leaders because they're both they're about the same age and they're both trying to be leaders. And they're, and I think part of why this team has struggled is that in that particular category is because your best players suited to be that are so damn young and they're, they're flying by the seat of their pants because there's no one around that can, you know, when they have a stumble, for example, they don't have a voice of reason that they can turn to. Because uh, Kimba, you know, no knock on Kimba. That's not who Kimba is. Kimba is all about leading by example. Has been that way forever, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how he operates. But they need someone who can lead not only by example, but also by their voice, by their presence. And I know Marcus Smart, in many respects, tries to be that. But, again, I, I don't think that's something that's naturally that comes to him either. I think he, by nature, wants to lead by example, uh, particularly the defensive end of the floor. So the Celtics, there's some pieces that they need to surround Tatum and Brown with, I think, to get the most out of them from a leadership standpoint. Uh, and as far as, you know, the, the question about whether, you know, there's some brouhaha, again, there's no – everything I have seen leads me to believe – and what I've been told is that there is a healthy competition between those two and that it's it's always been about a respect thing. It's not a I don't like him, he doesn't like me type thing. Um, but within 
the framework of that respect, that respect, you're a competitor. They're trying to get the better of one another when they go at each other. And they, they joke about it, but I mean, they, they want to outperform the other and that drives them. And that, that that's a healthy competition. It should be like that. Uh, only time it becomes destructive is when you start being selfish about your play when you're on the floor with, with your teammate. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's where, you know, you, you have to wonder if you have some type of legitimate facilitator or a veteran presence type leader, how much would that help those guys in that regard? I don't know. They had a bunch of them. Again, you're going back. If you had – we're sitting here begging for an Al Horford, Marcus Morris type. They had him. The locker room was in friggin' total disarray there because nobody could get along. Um, and because, but they were winning. No, but, I mean, you had more yeah, – I mean, the, the Kyrie year. You've got – you know, you got Ky- – I mean, and obviously you can blame it all on Kyrie, but also, you know – I mean, Too many guys that needed minutes. I, you know, and, and he, exactly that. You know, Rozier coming off the playoffs he had the year before, the ascension of Tatum and Brown, uh, trying to mix in Hayward coming off an injury. It was a mishmash, but well, what, you, you had people in that locker room that should have been able to take care of it and didn't. So that worries me a little bit. Well, what irks me about that era, too, is that it bled into this one and that it seems to have cost them Hayward. There was a sense, and you heard it repeated all over the place, that Hayward was getting preferential treatment, which was never true. He was benched in 2019, and Rogier played more than him that year on a you know per minute per game basis. And then Hayward finally came back in 2020 and was a great glue guy, had a fantastic season. But it seems like either something in the room or something about the city or just his role that he's talked about there irked him and sent him out the door, and that was a costly, costly loss. This team needed him badly this year, whether you liked his health or not. He was the glue guy who, as a passer, as a facilitator, and also as a scorer, and as a defender, frankly, is what goes underrated about him as yeah. well, helped piece this all together. Well, well the, the preferential treatment issue came up in, in large part because of what was happening with Marcus Morris. Because uh, remember, Gordon was working his way back, and so the only way you're going to do that is you got to play the guy. But playing him often meant not playing Marcus Morris, who was playing pretty darn good. And that was when you started hearing more about, is Gordon getting preferential treatment? Why is he out there playing? He's going like two for seven. Yeah, that and drove me part, crazy. And, it was, and it, was, it was part of his process of getting better. If Brad, whether it was Brad Stevens or any other coach, more likely than not, that's what they would have used him as. They would have played him with the intent on him playing more, getting into a rhythm, and getting back to where he was pre-injury. But the, the cost of that was minutes to Marcus Morris. And as a player, if you know one guy is playing better than another, but the guy who's not playing as well is getting as many minutes, if not more, that and you're not winning or you're not winning as much as you could, that's going to cause a little bit of tension, a little bit of friction in that locker room. Um, and so those who thought that Gordon was getting preferential treatment because he played for Brad, it wasn't that. They were trying to get him ready back to where he was pre-injury. But if you are a player, you may know that, but that doesn't change the fact that you, you're on the floor with a guy who isn't playing as well as a guy on a bench. And that happened a lot. So – you you got you to put that stuff in perspective, but it's harder for fans to put that in perspective because, again, they see one guy coming off the bench shooting well, 
playing good defense, another guy playing minutes, not playing great defense because he's trying to come back from a a potentially career threatening type injury. So I, yeah. I get, it. I get um, it. I I want to bring in some more people into the chat. Um, just want to let people know right now. Um, I'm not seeing speaker requests, so put it in the chat if you want to talk. I'll try to get to you guys. I may also um, hand over hosting duties, Bobby to, Bobby, to you briefly while I exit and come back, see if I can see the speaker requests. Um, but um, just wanted to let you guys know that. Actually, I'll bring Amit back in. Amit, I might make you the host. Um, Jason, why don't you fire away? Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me jump in here. I appreciate it. Um, hey, you guys, you don't have to spend much time on this topic at all. I just was hoping that maybe you could help me and some of your newer listeners out just a little bit. Uh, about maybe two and a half months ago, I was online looking up some Celtics information, and I, I stumbled across the Garden Report. Uh, as a newer listener, I really don't know anything about the Garden Report in regards to how it started or, or how you guys met or how long it's been going. Do you think maybe you could just take a minute, maybe a minute and a half, and just kind of give me some background on how things got started? And uh, I'll just sit back and listen, and uh, I enjoy your guys' show. So keep up the hard work. And uh, if you guys – I'll let some other guys jump in here, but I appreciate the work that you guys oh, do. Oh, thank you, Jason. Uh, sure thing. So I'll let you guys know. Uh, you know, so uh, Nick Gelso, the founder of the company, um, had, um, um, you know, uh, really just you know, started the whole company as a – you know, uh, an ability to cover the Celtics. And that was really, the I'm going to, I'm going to put this on Wikipedia. Yeah. That was really the basis for, uh, for, for CLNS for people who don't know stands for Celtics late night show. So Celtics post game show is one of the longest standing programs or the longest standing program in the network was very much a call in show. Bobby Manning was actively involved in that for several years before this latest uh, iteration of the garden report. The garden report is, is kind of the umbrella coverage, uh, just of all of the uh, network's coverage from the Boston Garden. We're normally in non-pandemic times down there en masse with two, three, four, five people sometimes uh, doing uh, post-game videos and covering the team uh, on a nightly basis, you know, traveling on the road wherever we can. Really, this post-game show kind of morphed out of um, the pandemic situation and people being at home and the bubble and the startup again, and we decided, hey, this is a good opportunity to just do this and try to, you know, stream it on all our platforms and, and kind of open it up to the community again and to the Celtics fans out there. And I think that's a big part of what the company does um, here is, uh, you know, really wants to kind of get the fan voice um, and, 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 and create a community and uh, make it interactive. And I thought this was, this was a really good way to do it um, with a, a video presence before it was a call in type show. So we started doing this last season, and it's uh, now really evolved into this nightly thing that we do after every game. And sometimes uh, on non-game nights, we were fortunate enough to have Sherrod Blakely join us this year, uh, which was an awesome addition. We've had a bunch of other people on uh, throughout the years. But that's kind of the brief history of the Garden Report. It's something that's been going on, like I said, which Nick Gelso um, started uh, when, when he started the company. Uh, back in 2009, um, covering the Celtics, and this is kind of what it's uh, what it's turned into over the years. Bobby, am I leaving anything out? Nope, that's it. Yep, that's basically well, hey, it. Thank yeah. you, fellas. I do have a better background now. Uh, I will continue to listen to you guys uh, post games, and I'll try to follow you guys on the uh, locker room as well. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Um, hey, I just want and that was cool. Thanks, Jason. Um, I do want to. Uh, just uh, let people know that um, 
We're seeing some, I'm having some issues on the app here um, at the moment, seeing speaker requests. So if you can um, put it in the chat, if, uh, if you want to uh, speak and I'll try to get you guys up there. Um, and uh, let's see, Kevin Wood, David Hall, Kevin and David. I'll try to get you guys up there. Um, guys, what were we talking about last? Hey, Joe Sway, you made it. Just wait. What's up, buddy? Ah, uh, not quite. Um, uh, what were we just waiting? Right, Ahmed, I'm going to leave and come back, buddy, and and maybe I'll get the speaker requests too. Okay, um, guys, uh, continue the conversation. I'll be back in a minute. So, Joe Sway and I were talking when we jumped off the air about who has potential left among the young players on this team. Who's even worth bringing back in that sense next year? Because you don't want to bring back players. I think next year that don't have upside who also don't help you now. Because what we're seeing in these games, especially when guys get hurt, is they're leaning on guys like Edwards, Grant, to do things that they're just not capable of doing at this point. And you don't know if they're ever going to get there. So I like Sherrod and some of our colleagues here bringing up guys like Avery Bradley, uh, you know Forbes, those kind of guys that maybe they could get in on, on some minimum deals or a mid-level to replace some of the younger guys on this roster who aren't, going to have the upside or the opportunity in some cases here to get to that next level and I don't know if Bradley has a ton to offer I don't know if many of the guys that they'd be able to get in terms of veterans will have a ton to offer in terms of on-court skills but I like the chances of those guys being able to contribute and in some intangible ways Um, because you just know that the young players on this roster really aren't adding that much in terms of experience insight mentoring those type of things if they're not giving you anything on the court either. Um, and you, you can think of a guy like Bradley might be able to give you some spot defensive minutes against some quicker, shiftier guards. Um, doesn't have a ton left offensively, but I just think making this team a little bit older, putting some veterans in the room is going to be a valuable thing in a minor way that they can change the complexion of this team next year. Joe Sway, are you with us, buddy? I see him. I see the poor I see guy. I too. Uh, David, you want to, you want to, uh, I really didn't have much of a question, but I was just thinking about y'all saying about the uh, addition of a veteran. Um, but I don't feel like it has to be necessary veteran, a veteran. I just feel like it has to be an identity that the whole team needs to hold on to and be, and which they're not doing right now. But like Bobby said earlier that, uh, it's still gonna be a possibility since this year has been wacky all year. I still feel like there's, there's still a possibility if we do win a play-in tournament and do play ourselves into the playoffs, we still have a chance to at least compete and be at least competitive with Don Jalen Brown this year. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a chance, but that chance isn't very good. And it's not very good based upon how they've spent the past 70, 69, 70 games so far. Uh, this team shows glimpses of being exactly what you're talking about. And we've seen it. But the problem is we don't see it enough. And because of that, it's it's hard to go into the postseason feeling good about this team's chances of doing anything other than getting past the playing playing round. Uh, and that's, I think, from a talent standpoint, that's a huge disappointment because I think this team talent-wise is better than that. But it's not about your talent. It's about how you play. And their play has given no one – 
real confidence that they can do anything in the in the postseason. Guys, uh, guys, if we put you on the stage, can you just mute real quick until we call your names out? Thank you. Um, yeah, not a lot of confidence right now either. Um, and uh, sorry, guys, uh, Ben and Ronald, if you guys could, yeah, just mute one second and we'll get you there. Uh, I want to try Joe Sway one more time. Joe Sway, this poor guy. Ooh, Can't do it. One G. One G, one G, one G killing us here. Uh, ben, do you have a question or a comment? Ben, are you there? No. Uh, let's try uh, Ronald. Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? What's happening? Um, so, quick question. So, at what point do we blame the coach? You know, because I watch these games a lot, and I'm watching Jason Taylor. Why is no one talking? No, no, I'm watching Jason Tatum start the possessions at the top of the key, and we don't move him around off ball a lot. Um, even, like, the way Naismith plays the game, he doesn't run around picks. He doesn't, you know, it's just weird. He, we stick players in corners. Yeah, he just. And then everyone's, everyone's on the three-point line. No one's crashing the boards. It, this is just a weird offense to me. And I don't know. I think the, the coaches, there's a lot more blame than, um, than we don't give them. <laughs> We've played the blame by game a lot. Um, I think Brad's very high I don't, on it. Um, I don't think anyone's been mentioned more than Brad this but year. He's been men- but he's been mentioned a lot, yep. Um, again, he deserves scrutiny, but I think this is so important. I was talking to Justin Rowan on my game stream about this, that, and Sherrod's hit on this hard. It's a whole collective effort as a coaching staff. There are countless people who go into what they're doing on a nightly basis, research, rotations, analytics, all that stuff. Um, so I don't think it fully comes down on just Brad, the individual, Brad's probably got some strengths that have worked well this year and some weak spots that haven't worked well for the situation they face this year. Again, in the past, I have praised his ability to keep everybody involved in a given year. I like the fact that everybody on a bench feels like they might be able to find a spot to contribute throughout the flow of the year. Unfortunately, as they've tried to build some stability this year, I don't think that approach has worked. I don't think other approaches that he leans on that have worked in the past have worked. So I think... Brad, like a lot of people in this situation, have to assess how he coached and handled this year and make some adjustments going into next year um, based off what worked and what didn't work this year. I still just be careful what you wish for when it comes to the firing thing because, yes, it could work and free up and make some guys happier and that kind of stuff, but if it doesn't work and there's a problem with the next guy... What's the worst that could happen, honestly, though? Like, that's my thing is, like, uh, like, what do you think they're going to bring in? Like Godzilla, you know, like, uh, like they're obviously. <laughs> no, I like, think if you it, it, like, if it's bad now, like, there's no is it way. bad because of Brad now? We're not saying that. What I'm saying is, if if it's not bad because of Brad, I would I would imagine a replacement is roughly um, a wash. I can't see a situation where they're going to go grab a guy who literally sets the place on fire. So I'm not. I don't share your worry. On hey, what if the next well, guy's not as good? If the next guy's not as good, I think the next guy might cost you one extra win a year. You know, we're not talking about someone just, who's going to come. Just in. remember, like Bobby Valentine's not coming in and literally going to destroy. How do you know? Again, we don't know because what's available not, out there. We don't know what stupid. they like. Because what worries not me yeah. is that, and this is, I think Jeff Goodman has said this: if they didn't get Brad in 2013, they were going to go with Fred Hoiberg and. 
that is a significant drop off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, Fred, I mean, Fred was at that time, Fred was calling around setting up his staff because he knew that he was, he was plan B. Um, I had a couple of assistant coaches who had been reached out to by Fred who made that clear that Fred was planning to come to Boston if Brad Stevens didn't accept the job. And that's kind of scary, which this would be the perfect time for Joe Sway to, 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 to jump in here because Joe Sway had his, had that moment with Fred Hoiberg. He knows which one I'm talking about. <laughs> Yo, what are the chances that I lets me can't... in? The app lets wait. me in right when you guys bring this up. That's I still can't believe. Wait, wait. Let Joe Sway have it. Let Joe Sway have something here. He, he just walked in the room. I still can't believe <laughs> you you did that, Joe Sway. <laughs> it was like the ultimate media troll moment that year. Yo, I'm thinking like that's the last thing I expected him was to get up and walk away like that. I'm thinking I'm in trouble, you know. And Joe it's so Sway, funny tell, because tell 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 the, tell the listeners what happened. Tell the listeners what happened. All right, so um, well, I have to tell the backstory a little bit, right? So, uh, the, was it game two or whatever it was during during the best of seven series between the Celtics and the Bulls? Um, mm-hmm. I, Isaiah went off, and Fred Fred Hoiberg, without anyone asking him any questions in Chicago, just goes on this tirade about how Isaiah Thomas is carrying the ball, he's not getting called for travels, yada yada yada. Uh, fast forward to game three at TD Garden, uh, I'm there covering it, CLNS, and and of course, you know. Uh, Isaiah Thomas goes off, same thing, same result. And I had my eye on Isaiah wondering, is he going to get called for travel? Is this thing that he's talking about, you know, legitimate? And, of course, he didn't get called for a single travel. So I head over to the presser, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, trying to get the mic. You know how it is in there, Sherrod. It's hard to get the mic, especially during the playoffs. It gets really packed with national media in there. And I get probably lined up for, like, the third question. And I'm thinking, damn, someone else is going to ask him this question because he made such a statement that, you know, someone has to be like, well, you know, what happened out there? How come the referee didn't? Two questions fly by. I got one on deck. And I know as soon as the first, as soon as the next person asks the question that it's mine. So all I said was, Fred Hoiberg, uh, did Isaiah Thomas carry the ball in this game? He goes, no. Gets up and just storms off the floor. It was the ultimate F you, Joe Sway moment with everyone's neck. And I'm not exaggerating, right, Sherrod? Literally, I'm, I'm, I would guess at least 20 people's necks turned around being like, who the F just asked that question? <laughs> like, who is yeah. this kid that pissed off Hoiberg so much? And it was just like spotlight right on me. And it's so funny because Nick comes up to me like 10 minutes late or five minutes after the fact. He didn't even know what just happened. He starts talking about something else. I'm just like, Nick, what are you talking like, Do you know what just happened right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about like something about the guard report. I'm like, Nick, like I- I'm thinking you're going to like, <laughs> you got some sort of like speech here or something for me. Like he-, he had no idea what was going on. I see Sherrod cracking up with, Gary yeah. Washburn. Yeah. Oh man, that no, was you can hilarious. you can find that on YouTube very easily. Oh, I still that was can't hilarious. believe that happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was a Joe Sway moment. Man. What's wrong with the question, rookie Joe Sway? Wrong What's with wrong with that question? Thank Nothing. you. No, Thank when you, you because I I I heard it from Bulls fans on Twitter. Man, it was no, wild. When, my when mentions were crazy. When you explain it, it makes sense. But the way it came off on TV, it was like Joe Sway Pavone. Because oh, I know he's. Did he travel I, the night, Fred? I know he's not gonna. Because <laughs> I know he's not gonna appreciate the question. I'm like, oh, you gotta say it though. You gotta say right. it. <laughs> you gotta rip the bandaid off. Just ask it straight. Right, right, right. You know, but people. But yeah, to Bobby's point, I mean, yeah, but people are making it sound like I. Isaiah travel or no? Like you know what I mean? I didn't say it like that, but yeah, I mean, listen. Again, you make that sort of statement. 
that uh, speech and go on that tirade. I'm going to ask you about that. I need no, to follow. It was, it was I need a ridiculous statement by Hort. That that was he was talking really about sending a letter to the league, and this is ridiculous, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, come on, man. It was so goofy. I mean, this, there was a massive sentiment against Isaiah and that team that year that like they weren't legit and like they were just a try hard team and Isaiah was getting by off like foul calls and traveling or whatever other excuses they had. But when he came through and destroyed them, it left some guys head spinning and his certainly was. I love it. Yeah, that was crazy. That's good. That's awesome. Bring in uh Neom. Hey guys, I love listening to your show. So this team Oh my God! Can we talk about this bench? Are we con- like, <laughs> are we competing or what? Like, are we in a rebuild or are we contending? Like, I don't get it. This bench is so terrible. Like, I think we have the worst bench in the league, and it's not even close. And then, like, our top five, okay, they can contend, but you bring in the next five, and it's like they're not even NBA players. They're supposed to be with the Shanghai Sharks. Like, damn, she went CBA on us. What were they doing building this team? Like, it is just poorly constructed. Brad doesn't help. Is just, it's just bad. I don't know what else to say. Like tonight was like the cherry on top. Like you can't even beat the Cavaliers who are actively trying to tank, and then they take Kevin Kevin Love out the game just so to give you guys a chance. And it's like they're just bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, they're real bad. Yeah. It's, it's been Again. a problem all year. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, uh, are we saying that right? Niam? Yeah. Niam, yeah. Niam. Uh, that's been, look, that's been a massive thing all year. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like, every time you come back to playing the blame game with these guys, a lot of people will just say the roster is trash. You know, so what do you expect them to do? And I, I, I think it's one they of the reasons why. They don't even compete. That's the yeah. problem. Like, they, they, the Cavaliers today weren't even shooting that well, nothing. It was just like, yeah, I don't know. The guys who are on the bench don't even seem like they're, like, trying to fight for a job. Whereas, like, when you look at other teams, it's like everybody's trying to fight for minutes. When they get those minutes, like, they're running, competing. Us, it's like they just have a guaranteed job, so they're not even running around nothing. They don't play Thursday. Yeah. They don't the play Thursday at all. Was, exactly. The compete level was rough. They play like starters. It's actually crazy. Like our our bench, like the the back of the bench, the tenth player plays like he's a starter and just like roams around the floor, doesn't defend. Like I don't know what it is with this team. Yeah, I, I mean that's why a lot of people are talking about Brad Stevens in that relationship. And 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 again, like I can't say this enough. It doesn't mean Brad Stevens is a bad coach, but when you see a team that attitude and that approach, and it's throughout the entire regular season. I mean, you can't help but wonder, well, what's the disconnect there? You know, uh, why isn't he able to do that? And especially when he can't explain it after these games, after these losses, you start to wonder if it's, if it's a, if it's a statement about the player or the attitude in the locker room, or is this, these guys are just completely checked out of Brad's of hearing or listening to Brad Stevens. You know, it's, it's difficult to gauge, but obviously you can't, you, you can't say Brad is, out of the window of blame here, right? Like he he has to. That's his job, right? To get the most out of these guys, and we all we all agree that this is a talented enough team that this shouldn't be the end result of this season, regardless of you know the injury. Yeah, if I play this live, will you guys be able to hear it? We don't know until you play it. <laughs> yeah, I was Let's gonna give it say. a shot. Ready? Tell me if you can hear it. 
Can you hear it? No. No. No, I can't play it through the phone. Uh, we put the clip in the chat. You guys could check it out. He, Josue, he was standing. Hoiberg. He was standing up before you finished the question. <laughs> he, he knew. He's literally. He knew. He's already up. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> it's, he's literally. Uh, you had not finished the question, and he was up. Oh my god! So imagine. Funny? Imagine that moment, and then like like ninety seconds after the fact, obviously everyone's staring at you. Like I said, and then you just get like this this tap on your shoulder. Like it was Nick, but nothing to do with what just happened. I, don't know. I just thought that. I think that part of it was so funny because I, I literally thought it was one of those like, "Hey, come with me." You know what I mean? <laughs> like I thought it was like security or, or someone being like, "Hey, funny guy, come on, come with me." I'm like, "What? Uh, Wait, what are you guys talking about?" Here? That's friggin' like, great. This is this is my rookie days, you know. Let's work in a couple more people, George. What's up, boys? How's it going? How are you? Um, What's up, George? Joe Sway, you're an absolute beast. That story had me dying. Oh, my God. That was oh, hilarious. Man. I can't wait to go back and watch yeah. it. As soon as, as soon as Hoiberg was mentioned, I was like, wow, now my mic is working. So here we go. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Um, oh, man, I'm going to be so sad next week. I'm going to miss our post-game shows after we lose to Charlotte and oh, then Washington. Oh, man, George said this nah. is it. Nah. <laughs> no. No, nah, I'm kidding. I'm hey, kidding. that's a legitimate take. I mean, it seriously, it seriously isn't too like it's not unlikely, you know. Um, I think we'll get through, but I think it'll be an absolute disaster, to be honest, if we don't make the playoffs. Like we're the Boston Celtics, you know. I know, I know it's been a shit house season, but it'll be an absolute disaster. We have to make the playoffs, even if we lose by forty points every game, like John says. But um, like, yeah, I mean. Look, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. You know, you still want to see a little bit of hard, but yeah, I mean, we're going to get we're going to get slaughtered anyway. It's going to be probably thirty-one to twelve at quarter time. But anyway, um, look, I know it's it's really easy, especially when times going rough. It's really easy to to blame, or not not necessarily blame, but nitpick like Jason or Jalen or the coach. And, and there's no doubt, everyone's every player and staff member and GM has had some sort of fault for a season to go like this, but. At the end of the day, I mean, look at our depth. It's it's so painful to see our depth. Like, and I know the coach is still experimenting, but like we have like like I know we say the same shit. Fucking Grant Williams and and Carson Edwards. He tries to bring them in, and we seriously have no depth. Like Fournier is a good good addition, but as you guys say, we're stuck. Like, it's it's just there's no depth whatsoever. If Jalen and Jason and Kemba had had some good players around them, we wouldn't be in this position and we wouldn't be sitting here talking about, or oh, maybe Jason can do this better or Jalen can do that better or Kemba's legs are struggling. Um, as you say, we've had some positive things go our way, but the depth is just is just excruciating. Like like times like this, I'm, you know what, what I miss? I miss conference player of the week, Jordan Crawford. Yeah, I said it. That's, that's how, how bad it's been now. Um, but it, it's it's something has to happen about the depth, and I don't even know if we're going to be able to do anything. I just say I think Sherrod brought up Forbes. I actually think that's a good idea. That one, not that that's going to you know change the whole perspective, but I think that's. So hold on, that, George. Hang on, okay, chat, huh? yeah. You're the one bringing up. Uh, I see his name in the chat. That's funny. Because <laughs> uh, Sherrod Sherrod said it earlier, and um, I thought, oh, you know what? He probably would be a good one. But like, we're just so far. Like, we need so many different players like look at the championship team that we had we had you know baby davis was good we had eddie house we had like some quality bench players but oh, we are so and to think we should have made the finals last season we are just so far off 
and, and it's really disappointing. We're going to finish seventh um, and get knocked out early. But there's going to be some, some big question marks in the off-season, no doubt about it. Are they that see? Like I don't, I don't feel the sense that they're that far away. Like the competition has certainly widened their gap from being where they want to be, and they couldn't really control that unless they stood in the way of Harden or something. But they have the guys at the top of the roster. You want to fill it out. You want the young players to grow. You want them to become more connected. But they have the talent. But do you know what all this year so disappointing? If they didn't have the talent, we'd be saying, "Oh, this is just what they are." But do you know what I was going to say? Compared to Miami yesterday, Miami are coming good at the right time. But like, look at the players that they off the off the bench. They've got Dragic, Kendrick Nunn is, is you know is big for them. Duncan Robertson, I know he starts, but Hero. And you just look at the difference. And and we bring on, as we say, Carson Edwards and and you know Langford today for a little bit. Neesmith, Smith, it's just so inconsistent the minutes. Um, and I know that's up to the coach as well. But you just look at the difference in the depth. And I think, like, we, it was a close series in Miami last season. But you, look, yesterday, like, it was night and day the plays that they'll bring on the bench, off the bench. And, you know, it's just a big difference in that sense, the depth. That's what I think. And it's clear. Yeah. I, look, I think it, this, this goes back to the whole, again, who's, who's most to blame for this. And a lot of people will point to Danny for saying bad roster. Uh, there's no doubt there's lack of depth. Depth. But if you had, I think there was enough talent to have been more competitive than they were this year. Uh, but I think the lack of depth mixed with the injuries, mixed with the COVID, um, and just the bad timing of everything, they could never really get off the ground. I am not making an excuse and giving them a pass for the season, but I think we'd feel different about the overall depth of this team had things gone a little different. You'd still want to address it, but it wouldn't be as dire as it appears now. I think it looks like it's a total freaking disaster now. I mean, most teams don't have insane depth. If you have eight, eight guys on your team you feel pretty good about, that's pretty good. You know, a healthy team here, if you have Tatum, Brown, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, that's pretty good. Um, you know, you could do a lot worse than that as a core, and then you'd be looking at, you know, augmenting along the way. So I'm not as super down on their on, on their overall I, I i'm with bobby on this one i don't think they're that ridiculously far away uh in terms of having enough depth to be competitive yeah you worry about their mentality a little bit more can that ever change can their ability to empower each other improve for the top players on the roster i think those are the biggest long-term concerns because that stuff can take a long time to improve i mean we we did the comparison last week like how long it took Pierce to get to the place where he was making teammates better he was a winning player all those different things um fortunately though and like I think this goes underrated with Tatum and Brown they won they didn't just go along with the ride on those teams 2018 Brown led them through that Philly series yeah, 2020 Tatum they're led not them through the that far off from a depth perspective like they're not you know if Neesmith developed into a usable player they're actually like kind of, you know, not. You could say you're, and Jabari Parker comes back a year later, uh, and he's in better shape and someone you can use. You might be saying that they're eight, nine deep, you know, like nine, ten deep, even, um, and and not be as 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 bummed out about the overall state of the team. I don't know, Sherrod, Am I am I am I 
am I not looking at this clearly? I don't think it's, I, I think the depth, I think the depth became an issue because they weren't, they weren't very deep and they were always down one or two guys. So guys were thrust into roles all year that they didn't belong in. Well, I think that for the depth, not only was it, uh, I think a little bit on the thin side in terms of just numbers, but it was thin on the side of experience. And that's a problem. Um, that's a, that's a, that was a big problem all season long when you had a lot of young guys that, again, I think at some point might be able to help you, but they're just not ready to help you now. Uh, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, I think, are exactly what guys taken in the top three of a draft should be, and that is guys that can contribute sooner rather than later. But guys taking number three and guys taking number 23 and 33, no. Expectations should be different, and results will most likely be different. And that's what we've seen. Uh, I, again, I, I just think when I look at this Celtics team this year, I think they really struck out on adding impact veterans. And by impact veterans, I simply mean guys that you can count on are going to give you a certain level of play night in, night out, and they have the benefit of experience. They do, but it doesn't explain away how bad it was. That's the whole thing. Is like I, I, I think they're playing well worse than they should, even considering all of those factors. Well, they don't compete. I mean, that's the thing. Right. It's not even so much the results. But does a veteran make Jason? Does a veteran make Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play better defense than they played this year? I think it could help. Yeah. Yeah. I think it. I don't. I. I mean, I can't say. I don't know. Question that they'll be better. I definitely think a veteran who has been in the league long enough to where their defense is not considered a major weakness. I think absolutely someone like that would help. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it'll help, but see, like, I just still think these two are the fake. I think it's internal. I yeah. agree. Like, again, I mean, I said it months ago, like, Jalen Brown, Jason, you think these, these two are always calling each other and trying to talk and having conversations about how to make the team better? You know, I mean, in the offseason, are they going to, you know, the guys from the team and say, hey, guys, let's work out? I mean, does anybody do that? I mean, LeBron, LeBron probably. Yeah, absolutely. Teams do that. The last couple of champions do that. You know? Yeah. Do the Celtics need to be like that? Yes, 1,000%. And it starts with those two. Yeah, I don't know if it's like Tom, one of Tom Brady's like, hey, look at me and my hot shirtless friends throwing, you know, for my Instagram video out in, <laughs> out in Montana, you know, like type of yeah, things, you know, on, that like, you do for show. Steph, you Clay, Draymond, with those, with those guys have their own. <laughs> You never Steph see the Clay, Draymond. You never see the never see the big dogs out there. No, those guys are doing it too. The Warriors, <laughs> come on, man. The, the Hogs. Um, let's do a couple more callers. Uh, we're going off the rails a tad, but there's still a lot of you in here. Um, uh, Jimmy, what do you got? Uh, we've left Jimmy in the waiting room so long. I think he, I think I, I don't know if he's with us anymore. Jimmy, you still there? Um, all right, let's try Chris. Yo. What up, Chris? What's up, Chris? Another day, another loss. Yep, that's how it goes. <laughs> um, I think that we we need to everyone in the chat. You guys need to understand and realize that like this team, the expectations that you have for this team is it's not realistic anymore. Um, you guys said the windows is still open. Uh, no, it might. Re- I said it might reopen. I think it temporarily. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was trying to. Yeah, I was screaming earlier, Chris. Chris, I was screaming earlier. My mic wasn't working, 
And I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Bobby. Honestly, I feel like I'm always picking on Bobby. I swear, it was Bobby. He was like, "Oh, these guys got like four or five year window." I'm like, "Who? Tatum and Brown? <laughs> nah. The, the two best friends? Oh, you think they? You think if they don't start? No, but windows reopen. Windows reopen as long as you've got. Yeah. The, what if those they? Uh, what if they pick a Halliburton? Pick like, a Halliburton. That would help. That would that be. Would help. That would be great. No, but it's That'd not be a that lucky that pick. You, you get a little bit of a roster reset when Kemba comes off, you know, um, and so yeah. and and you might be able to. Pluck I think that. you have next Look, year to run it back. What did we say? You about, have next what, year to run what, it back. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but Chris, go ahead. I want you to say what you wanted to say, but look, but I, I think they say, have one year to, inter- uh, to to run it back. That's what it. did we say ahead. about Jalen and Jason heading into this year? That they might be recruiters, right? They could be the type of guys that could theoretically. Yeah, they're not doing a good job. Bring right now, in. John. They're not. They're like, I know, but the thought being <laughs> that like people might want to join them because in a couple of years they're going to be the stars. You know, we yeah. said that. We thought that. Anyway, we thought ahead, that, Chris. but they don't even look like they're having. Maybe not, yeah, Chris. Go that's, ahead. That's the thing. No, no problem. Um, yeah, like the window, right? Yeah, it, it is closed. Um, and I, unless like major injuries happen to these other teams, like it's going to remain closed. And or unless um, Tatum and Brown take another major jump, and I don't know when that even is going to be, it, it, if that's going to happen or when it's going to happen. You look at teams like Philly. Philly isn't going anywhere. They have a great GM who's going to get them pieces that keep rebuilding, doing whatever it takes to win. Giannis isn't going anywhere. Milwaukee isn't going anywhere. Brooklyn, they're not going anywhere. So you look at those teams, we we don't have the best player in any against any of those teams. Right? So the window, we it's we're really playing the long game right now and everyone needs to just temper their expectations and and needs needs to like realize like hey uh we need to just slowly slowly build out uh role players that that fit and not think that we're gonna go to eastern conference finals every single year unless like we get lucky with an injury or something we get a, a great matchup and some breaks our way but right now it's not it's not really looking too good it is what it is with this team unless guys make crazy jumps unless we get a lucky with a crazy trade the team it is what it is right now. So, um, yeah, you, you, the, the, we're we're looking at four or five for the next probably three years. But the NBA is crazy. You never know what happens. Things change really quick. Um, but realistically, we're not really a contender at all. Yeah, at the moment. But that's what I mean is I, I, yeah. I think shut is strong because that would mean – there's no way out of this. I think there. I, what I said earlier was, I think you have to live with middle of the road for a year or two because there's just not a lot of ways to improve the team at this at at present. That doesn't mean that, like I said, when Kemba comes off the books and if you're able to lure that third star and you get continued development from some of your younger players, you may be looking at a better product than you have now. But right now, you have exactly what you're looking at on this roster. You also don't know how much better Tatum and Brown are going to get. So all of these things are possible. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I think it's harsh to say that it's shut-shut. I do think they shot their shot, and they misfired a little bit because the the whole that rebuild with all the assets and everything that they had in signing free agents – they they mucked a lot of it, and um, they should be better than they are right now. But I still don't think that means it's it's it, that it's done for good. I, I do believe that it is going to be hard in next year 
or possibly even the year after to crack the top three in the East. Um, Jimmy, are you with us? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hey. 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 Uh, so I want to know, uh, I want to kind of go back to what, uh, Bobby and Sherrod were talking about earlier. Um, like what guys are out there in free agency that can make this team better, uh, next season? And, uh, what guys are gonna, uh, not make the cut? Uh, for next season. Well, that's, I mean, a lot, again, the, the guys that are out there, you, you got to remember that there are 29 other teams that are looking for guys too. So uh, the, the Celtics and, and Bobby can get into this more, more detail, but the Celtics do not have a lot of financial flexibility. So you're really going to have to start trying to find some diamonds in the rough. Uh, but the thing about diamonds in the rough is that they're in the rough for a reason. And so a couple guys that I mentioned earlier, mentioned Avery Bradley, who talent-wise isn't quite the player he was in Boston or shortly after that. But the fact that he is a veteran, the fact that he's familiar with the organization, the fact that he's someone that, you know, during his time in Boston, it was a good period for him and would be open to a return, I believe. Uh, that's someone who, when you talk about changing this team's culture, this DNA, be a little bit more grittier, a little, little more grimy, uh, Avery Bradley is a guy that falls into that, that certainly that, that category. And when you talk about this roster and you start looking at some of those guys at the end of the bench, guys like Carson Edwards, Taco Fall, Trayvon Waters, it's hard to believe that all of those guys are going to be back. And so if you're going to, to get rid of some of those guys, you got to bring in some guys who can give you something that you need. And the Celtics, I, I think that they're, they're a team that the way they're trending, they want to have a roster of guys who can knock down shots. And one person I've mentioned is Milwaukee's Bryn Forbes, who's a really good three-point shooter. He's going to be a free agent this year. Uh, that's someone that I could see the Celtics potentially bringing in the mix who would be very affordable. I mean, you could use part of your, your mid-level to, to get him into the mix. Uh, and, and those are just a couple of guys that just off the top of my head jumped out. Etwan Moore, who was here, uh, you know, was drafted by the Celtics, another guy, although I, I don't think he's got much left in the tank and would be of much good. But, again, I just think that the Celtics, they're going to have to do some bargain basement shopping and find some diamonds in the rough who I think can help them. Uh, and all those players, the one thing I will say this, all those players, that whoever they bring in, they need to have a specific talent or skill that doesn't translate to the NBA, but it's been proven that's one of their strengths in the NBA. That's one of the problems with a lot of the young guys like Carson Edwards who came into the NBA as someone – who was believed to be a really good shooter, but he hasn't been that. Whereas a guy like Brent Forbes has actually shown that he can be a pretty good shooter in this league. And so, uh, again, I, I think the Celtics, they need to find proven commodities on bargain basement shelf, which, again, it's a it's a tough one-two uh, combo to put together, but I do think there are going to be some possibilities to do that. All right, let's wrap it up. We're going to bring in Ronald. What's up, Ronald? What's up? So I, I got a question. Um, so how do you guys feel about Danny Ainge in the center position? I feel like, um, we haven't had a good center in Boston since Kevin Garnett and Kevin Garnett was a power forward. So like, when are we going to end Al Horford? Al Horford was another power forward. When are we going to get another good center or try to even make an attempt at one of the good centers in the league in terms of like free agency and what's coming up? 
I'll let Bobby answer.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.